for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you ready for some TNA? My friends and I aren't your average blackjack players. We're all APs, which, if you don't know, stands for advantage player. As in, we play with a mathematical edge or advantage over the house. Yep, card counters, that would be us. On this podcast, I'm going to bring you true life stories about the AP life. There'll be stories of all the times we fucked up. Stories when we made out like bandits. Stories of losing more in one session than a lot of people make in a year. Stories of getting backed off in one shoe. Stories of average Joes out here doing this card counting thing with some of us crushing it and some of us just making our way through it. So if this is the kind of shit you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Welcome to the TNA Podcast. I'm Mike, and I'm your host of this transmission of our little experiment in imaginary radio. The guest on today's show is Rufus, who is a table games dealer, an AP poker player, and an aspiring AP blackjack player. His experience of being on both sides of the table brings an interesting and unique perspective that I think you guys will all enjoy. One little side note about this episode is that I'm calling it a bonus episode for one simple reason. I kind of fucked up and didn't have the audio settings correct when me and Rufus sat down to record this interview. Because of this, there's background noise and other pops that I just could not get rid of entirely. So because of this, the audio quality of the interview isn't quite up to my standards that I try to keep on this show. So I'm going to call this a bonus episode. I do think it is worth listening to because Rufus has a great perspective and some great stories and experiences to share that I think you all will enjoy. So listen up because we're about to give you some TNA. Can you tell me a little about your history? Sure. So about nine or 10 years ago, I started getting into poker pretty heavy. Didn't have much else going on and I was injured. So I wasn't able to do a lot of the things I normally do. So I started playing poker a lot and got really into it. And then eventually saw a job offer for a car dealer. Thought, hey, that sounds cool. Let's check it out. And it ended up being table games. So I've been dealing table games for the last eight years. I've seen a lot of strange and funny things and it's it's a cool lifestyle, the casino life, I think. Right. How has the coronavirus affected your employment? So all the card rooms were shut down in March. And then there was a brief period where they opened in July. Now, the tribal casinos in the state of Washington have been reopened, despite the private card rooms still being shut down, because, you know, they can get away with more being on federal regulation and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I have been out of work from dealing since uh, March. Fun. Man, that's got to hurt the pocketbook a little bit. Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, um, of course, we all got unemployment because we were on laid off or whatever. But the Washington State Unemployment Department is kind of a joke, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yes, I've had friends. I totally understand. Competency with their whole system, really. Like, it's just, it's bad. Like, there was hundreds of millions of dollars lost to some Nigerian scam, yet there are people <laughs> that have been, like, waiting for months to get paid. Like, dude, I qualified, you know, 
I've, I've gone through it twice with them now where they just stopped paying me and I had to like bug them and call them and all, you know, and I have a totally legitimate claim, but like I say, that, that whole business is a whole different deal, you know? Right. I bet if you sent the Nigerian prince or whoever some money, they'll send you $20,000 back, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe get it from them. Good thinking. Yeah. So what's some uh, good stories from your experience? You know, I was thinking about it through the years. I've dealt to a variety of players, as you can imagine, uh, mm. but there are definitely like like some some big ones that stand out. The first guy I wanted to talk about, I'll call him Mike. This guy, you know, he's a successful businessman. He's probably mid 40s and had a few businesses, really well dressed, super nice, super quiet. He was not an advantage player. This guy would come in, he'd play two hands of double deck at 300 a hand, flat bet, 300 a hand. Sure. And he didn't even play perfect strategy. He wouldn't double his soft 18 when he was supposed to. Would he hit his soft 18 against 9-10-A, split nines, that kind of thing? Sometimes he would He would hit his soft 18 versus 9-10-A, sometimes. But that was like one of the only areas where he wasn't consistent, that in with 12. Sometimes he would hit his 12 versus a 2 or... Or a three and sometimes he would stay those are the only two variations that mm-hmm. i ever saw him do and he's flat betting this guy went on a run for like months i mean he was in there three or four days a week in nine months he was up like ninety thousand dollars wow yeah and it was just wild because he he didn't he didn't even play right but with the variance of just running that good for that long he was just killing it and you could tell it just didn't matter it was just like fun money and he was real quiet quiet and and never made a scene when he did lose but mm-hmm. obviously being up 90k in nine months he didn't lose often and meanwhile the the bosses are trying to figure out what's this guy's edge here how is he doing this <laughs> you know or, like what's going on and i'm like dude you got he's he's not even playing perfect strategy he's not counting otherwise he'd be changing his bet right like he's flat betting 300 bucks on two hands he's just running good that's all there is to it so this mm-hmm. went on for like nine months like i say where he was just crushing it in the back of my mind i'm thinking this can't go on forever. Eventually, it's going to catch up and even out, and he's going to go on a down streak for sure. Sure enough, that ended up happening for where, like, the next three months, he just lost almost every time he came in, you know? And it just goes to show how much variance can mm-hmm. come into play, whether it's blackjack or poker, any form of gambling. Variance can be such a huge factor. Absolutely. It's frustrating when you're sitting at the table, you're playing deviations, you're counting perfect, everything, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, and then some plop he sits down at the table hitting hard 16s into like a five and doubling or something on that and then winning and then emboldening the whole table to play stupid and you're sitting there and you're getting your you're getting your ass handed you're getting a deuce when you double an 11 and a tc6 or something like that it's just like impossible dealer pulls their hand makes their hand with like a six showing which it should not happen and then this guy playing stupid like you said for many many months basically couldn't lose you see people i'm sure you saw people during that time that were playing perfect and getting their ass handed to you know just that variance can be it can be such a blessing or it can just be such a bastard it is a mean variance is a mean bitch sure. Yeah. I mean, most of my experience has come from dealing and I pride myself on being a, a good blackjack dealer. I can deal fast. I can count. I know how it works. You know, see, pay attention to what the players are doing and understand how skilled they are. 
I've been on the other side too, where I thought, okay, now that I understand how this works and have a, you know, a basic knowledge and work through a basic counting and that sort of thing, then, you know, why not give it a shot? And so I've had my runs on the other side of the table as well, you know. Do they care about stuff like that? Not really. I mean, a lot of, a lot of dealers gamble. I know places they will allow, most places don't allow dealers to play at the establishment they will. Some, some places will for sure. And I've heard crazy stories about that where the cocktail waitress has $200 average bet and stuff. You know, people wow. are playing and, and they're supposed to start their shift, but they've been playing all night and the, they'll just take them off the roadmap. Like, okay, you're going to gamble? Go ahead. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, right. It's There's some crazy things that go on in card rooms, that's for sure. Yeah, of course they want you to gamble, but I was more saying about AP, you know, because there's a huge difference between you just playing, maybe even just basic strategy and just playing a, a smart game. But if you're actually playing with an edge, and they find out and you're like oh shit i don't know I, i'm just curious if you had any insight think, i don't think it would be an issue honestly you know my my primary focus with gambling was poker you know i i played poker mm. in my off time and that was that was kind of like my area of expertise i know other people that worked in the industry that were advantaged players and would go play other places it didn't seem to be an issue from what i could tell it's kind of one of those things well if you're good enough to do it then okay you can go do it over there at that don't do it here so do you have any more stories yeah i mean like i said man i've i've seen some pretty wild things throughout the dealing days there was another one of a guy who um was not an advantage player this guy was just this young you know i'd say like late 20s he was well off he was making good money you know i think he was in the tech field and had some startup something that was really successful and this guy just it's always the guys that don't care that go on like the sickest yeah, run you know you're so right the, you're so right it, it i mean the 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 old guys that come in every day and play their hundred dollars you know and just grind it out all day for something to do those guys never really win big and you see them go on little runs here and there it's the guys that don't give two shits that are drunk off their asses mm-hmm. doing the craziest shit that just go on these sick runs and you're just like dude how is this even possible you know <laughs> I saw this guy, I'm going to call him Gilbert, who had been there all night long playing, drinking. You know, it's like I would work day shift. So I would start at 8 a.m. And he's getting, it's like, okay, cool. I can start drinking again. He's already going again. And he told me that he got down to his last $200. He was in six grand. He was down to his last 200 bucks and ran it all the way back. And when I tapped into the table, he had 10 grand in front of him. You know, like that's crazy, dude, to see somebody go on that. And the guy just, just kept it going. Like he just couldn't lose. But eventually it got to the point where it was so much of a thing for him and he would go just so crazy with it that he had to ban himself from the establishment. Like he came in sober one day and I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Gilbert? You know, he's a really good tipper and shit too. I'm thinking, all right, cool. We're going to make some money. Right. And he and he was he was stone cold sober and he's like, hey, man, yeah, um, I'm not going to be coming in anymore. I actually came in to ban myself. You know, I, I got to worry about my family and my kids and stuff. And it's like, you know, okay, if it's out of control for you and, and you recognize that and make that decision, like good on you, bro. Kind of a bummer though because I'm going to miss out on those fat tote bets, you know? Right. Uh, good on him, man 
sense that he recognized that he had a problem and he stopped it. I don't yep. know, maybe his wife gave him an ultimatum or something. I think know? that is actually what I, I'm pretty sure that probably had something to do with it, you know? Yeah, that's that sounds likely. Being a guy who spends a lot of time in casinos, I totally see that. Yeah, like there was one time <laughs> this guy, same guy, Gilbert, he had rented some fancy Airbnb or something for mm-hmm. him and his family that was out in the mountains two hours away. He took an Uber at the end of the night all the way to the casino, gambled all night, <laughs> all day, and then took an Uber all the way back. That is wild. Just silly shit. And, but I mean, that guy, it's like I say, he was just the guy that was just having so much fun. And it just, you could tell the money didn't matter. To him. And it's always those guys that just go on those crazy runs and, you know, can turn a couple hundred bucks into a couple grand in a matter of minutes. Just balls to the wall, not caring, you know? Yeah, so I, I know exactly what you mean. When people try and legitimize their idea of what they're <laughs> supposed to do in blackjack, try and tell you why they think it should be. I had this little spiel prepared for people like that, for younger players that would ask, what am I supposed to do here? I noticed on episode two there, the gentleman you spoke with had said that he heard dealers giving bad advice to players. So at the place that I worked, that was not allowed. You're not allowed to give players any kind of advice other than proper basic strategy, right? It's mathematically correct. Anytime somebody would ask me, well, what's the book say to do on this? Or I never hit my 16s because of this. Or I had this little spiel that I would give them. And I'll, I'll try and recreate it right now as best I can. So what I'd say is, well, the cool thing about this game is that it's already been solved. So for every given situation, there's a mathematically correct thing to do, which takes into account all of the possibilities of what can happen with your cards, as well as all the possibilities that can happen with my cards. That's what we call playing by the book. And then they go, okay, well, I'm still going to stay on my 16 versus your face. <laughs> you know, like, okay, right. well, you have to understand that's mathematically incorrect. Like, imagine if you did it a thousand times, right? And some people would get it and they liked it and they were like, cool, man, what's the book say to do here? And they would just do what they were supposed to do. You know, they hadn't, they didn't have the experience of trying to formulate their own strategy, you know? which is nonsense when it comes down to it. It was interesting to see younger players get a feel for it the right way by you know playing by the book, whereas you get older players who make the same mistakes consistently. Yes. You know? And like that's that's fine. That's how casinos make money. Like Oh, I like bad players. They yeah. Good players to make money. Yeah. I mean, somebody explained this to me once that if you were to formulate the game of blackjack today and take it to a game maker, that no one would buy it and no casino would have it because yes. the edge is so small for the house and because it's so exploitable. Mm-hmm. And so like the only reason it's there is because it's a staple of casinos, you know, it's a game everybody knows, even though most people play it really, really bad. <laughs> yes. And that's another reason it's there because I would I don't know, you probably have a better idea than I do, but in my experience, maybe half a percent play correct basic strategy. Even people who play they get, a lot of people get like 80% there, but then they just, they don't hit their 16s or they say the whole, you know maybe they're given a, a newer player or, or less experienced player advice you know, at 16s, you gotta just be consistent either you hit them all the time, you don't hit them all the time that's completely incorrect as you know. There are right. times you hit them and times you don't hit them, especially 
if you're counting or deviations or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, that's, there are times you hit them and times you don't. And yeah. It's just, and, yeah, and I would ahead. say that there's that 99% of the players are like you just described, where they, they play mostly perfect basic strategy, but they have these slight deviations. It's like 80%, you know, and everybody has their own. And it's like this personalized little thing for a lot of them, you know? Well, I just never do that. Or I just always do that. Because yeah. it's like, they, they like turn it into a little personality trait or something. And it's like, okay, I guess you're wrong. I mean, that's just mathematically wrong, period. But okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, like you said, exactly. Like you said, it's solved. Now, poker, on the other hand, is not solved. I believe limit solved, but no limit's not solved. Isn't that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Limit, limit has pretty much basically been solved now. And the bots that are out for limit are like mind blowing. It's crazy. The theoretical progress that's been made with that. Right. There's a little more validity to somebody who says, oh, this is what I do or whatever, because, you know, it's not solved. Blackjack, it is solved. There is a correct way to play every hand. Some people don't, under, they can't get their hand around N0. They can't get their, 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 their mind around, wrapped around. They can't understand that it's a long run. And then sometimes people will ask me, I rarely give unsolicited advice, but they can kind of tell who, who knows how to play, but maybe how fast I play my hands or people very often ask for advice or what would you do here? Things like that. And then I tell them, okay, if you play once, twice a year, as long as you stay within general, you know, don't hit against, don't hit against a hard hand against a two through six and this and that. Otherwise, like 16s and 12s, whatever, do what you feel because you could, you could get lucky. You're never going to get to the long run where the odds are going to even out. Either you're going to win, or you're not going to win. But if you play quite often, you should definitely play perfect basic strategy at least all the time. Right. You know, it's your best bet for sure. Yeah. And they don't, and it's, it's really frustrating when you tell them the correct play and then the exact opposite happens. Or for yeah, me, I, it's really frustrating when I tell them the correct play for them because they're just playing basic strategy. They're not counting. They're not playing deviations. Like I say, you should hit all your 16s, for example, against, you know, seven, seven through ace. And then two hands later, it's TC5 or something. I'm standing on my hard 16 against it against a face. You just told me the opposite, you know? Yeah. And I can't I, explain I can... to them why at the table, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see how that would be... Uh... Oh, that would be interesting. I never messed with deviations that much in the little experiments that I did with advantage play. You know, for me, it was just more of trying to keep a perfectly accurate count and then like just adjusting my bet based on what that was. But again, coming back to variance, there's just, you know, there were times where, and again, I don't have a lot of experience with that, but I, I did go through a phase where I was like, okay, I'm going to try and take this seriously and like see if I can help build my bank, uh, poker bankroll a little more on the side you know yeah. um, it's incredibly frustrating as i'm sure you know when you get into situations where the count is so good and so you're raising your bet and you're like yeah man like i should be winning every hand and the dealer's getting 20s and you're stuck with 16 you know like mm -hmm. I, I had that happen a couple times where it just, I mean, I, I blew through way more of my bankroll than I should have because I was like, okay, I'm just racking up my bet here because the count's fucking great and I'm still losing. That is the most frustrating part. It's like, oh, there, there's a good game in, in in this, in Washington State. One of the best games on the West Coast. It's a double deck game. Say you're betting table max, so you have 500 bucks on t times two. It's like TC8 or something like that or something crazy. So you're betting $500. Of course, you get an 11. They have a 
six up, you double, or like maybe you split eights to three hands and have three doubles. Then you know, then you have you know three thousand dollars on the table, and then of course they they roll a, a seven card twenty one, or you get yeah. deuces in your doubles. It's just crazy. It's so frustrating because like you said, you should be making a lot of money, but yeah, that's when it that's what it happens. But that's what variance is, you know. Yeah, it's it's tough though, man. It really is. So one of the popular games, as I'm sure you're aware, is um the Lucky Ladies version. I would play that pretty regularly. It's been a while, but if I remember correctly, you need a plus six or better for six and a half, six and a half or better for the lucky yeah, lady so, bonus mm-hmm. to be it becomes plus, plus AV, eight, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. So I was playing <laughs> at a at a card room. I had been playing poker all night long, and it was just it, it was just like one of those nights where I wasn't running good, but I wasn't running horrible. I was like probably pretty close to even, you know, after like playing all night long, and I'm like. All right, I'm bored. I'm gonna go play blackjack. This place had a double deck game. It was a 25 minimum. I, I was the only one at the table for like for quite a while. It wasn't going. It was kind of the same thing. It wasn't going great, but it wasn't going horrible. I'm kind of floating around even, whatever. And then there got to be this one shoe where towards the end of the shoe, it was just ridiculous. I mean, I want to say it was like plus 10 or something, you know. And we're talking double deck, so that's and nine yeah. queen of heart had come out yet dude. So I'm like racking up my main bet and thinking, okay, the Queens are still out there. Like I I started with a quarter on it, you know, when it got to like plus seven, I'm just like, screw it. Let's go. You know, not only, not only that, if the Queens haven't come out and your counts that high, if you do happen to get the Queens, the chance of them having a blackjack are greatly increased. So, you know, for the thousand to one payout. Yeah. I mean, it's like the odds were just tremendously in my favor. And, you know, I, I put a quarter on it and nothing i end up losing the hand a couple hands later the count's now higher and i i think i had 75 on just on the lucky ladies bet and like two and a quarter on the hand or something like i had been continuously raising my bet and i just kept losing the dealer kept getting 20s and i'm stuck with 17s or yes whatever and it was just like by the end of the shoe i had lost like most of what i brought to play poker with for the weekend like wow. it was like wow man that was horrible like it, it, that, it, that was like one of the main instances that turned me off to advantage play you know and if i had been more careful with my bankroll then you know that probably wouldn't have affected me so much obviously but it's it's things like that that just make you go man variance is such a bitch you know because just think about it if he was getting 20s nonstop, that very well could have those 20s could have been your hand you would have made a shit ton of money yeah i mean and they may have picked you out you made so much money if exactly. you were hitting, hitting that's how it should be so get this dude this is the funny thing so i i lost everything i had in front of me on that table and i'm pissed i'm like i'm pissed this should not have gone that way this was wrong that's not how that was supposed to happen you know so yeah. i go over to a six deck game that was empty pull the last 20 dollar cash that i had in my wallet put it down <laughs> I didn't play the bonus. I just threw 20 bucks on the hand and I got two queen of hearts. I could not believe it, dude. Oh it was my gosh. I had on me and I didn't bet it. And the dealer ended up making a four card 21 and I lost the bet. You didn't even win your 20 yeah, on, I was on your hand. Like, wow, 
this just this all went wrong. See you later. I'm out of here. You know. That's like the gambling gods are fucking with you. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. It was just like, oh, you think you're gonna win, huh? Oh, you're counting all the cards. Well, fuck you. You know. It is frustrating, and all the ploppies are pissed at you because they bet that every hand. Sometimes they <laughs> they might bet ten bucks on their hand and fifty on the sucker bets. That's what they play for. That's where they're they're and then yeah. they're pissed. They're like mad at you. Like you bet every. I bet every time. You never bet. You always get it. They only seem to notice the hands that you get for whatever reason, but it's yeah. frustrating. One of those gambler's fallacy kind of things. Yeah, and they say, oh, just put a dollar on it. I say, well, okay. I try to explain the math. I said, well, so let's say I play 60 hands an hour. I bet a dollar. Let's say I win $30. I'm still losing $30 an hour on that bet. Right. Like, People well, don't you could... think about the math or understand what expected value is. Like, it's crazy to me that, you know, we were talking earlier about how people get these little, little variations of basic strategy that they incorporate and turn into their own strategy, which is just false and mathematically incorrect. Like you said, some people just can't wrap their mind around the fact that what it what it means and like how odds work. There's times it's so funny. The classic one is when some kid has a soft 18 and he says, well, what am I, what's the book say to do? Well, the book yeah. says to hit and he goes, well, I'm going to stay, right? <laughs> and then I bust my hand and he goes, yeah, stupid book anyways right and he thinks that he's like the smartest guy in the room because one time it worked out in his favor right. you know what I mean I saw that so many times it, it's just it's hilarious to me when people do that they they do something that is mathematically incorrect it works out in their favor the one time they throw it in the dealer's face like ah, see I'm smart <laughs> you know like, and uh, dealers do the same thing to me because a lot of you're aware but a lot of dealers don't even know basic strategy they know just very basics of it about what a lot of the players know but right. a lot of times I hit my soft 18 and they go you have 18 I was like, yeah, and I had to give them a hit signal or scratch my cards or whatever. Right. Because they're like, you have you have soft eighteen. I'm like, I know. You have a nine. You have a nine. I'm hitting. They're like, well, that's a winning hand. Why do you want to hit a winning hand? I was like, it's not a winning. That's so <laughs> weird. That I can't imagine a dealer doing that. It's it, it just seems so foreign to me that. But there is like there seems to be a variation of basic strategy that is accepted by most players and dealers. That like you say, you're not that you shouldn't hit your soft. 18 versus a 9, 10, or ace. Even though mathematically you're supposed to, it's generally accepted that you're not supposed to, which is weird. Same thing with like 12s. I noticed if dealers showing a 2 or a 3, most people won't hit. They think that that's incorrect. It's like a, I, and I don't know how that got started, but it works out well for the casinos, right? I think it got started because people, they learn that you don't hit a hard hand against a bus, uh, dealer bus car two through six. So they didn't venture on a past that right. there's, a, there's two exceptions. Right. 12 against dealer two and three. And then people, I've also, I've had dealers like heckle me because they, they see that I'm playing perfect strategy. They go, oh, you messed that one up. And like I said, I have a hard 13 versus two. And they say, you're supposed to hit your 13s against a two. I was like, no, you got that mixed up. This one guy, he's like, he goes to break and he and he comes back and he, he comes back to the table and he's like, I apologize. You were right. I looked it up on my break. You were right. I had that mixed <laughs> up. Yeah, good on him for manning up about it. But Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it, and maybe because you work in a smaller card room environment, the dealers are better. But if you work at a place that has a couple hundred, 300 dealers, I'm telling you, most of those dealers do not know basic strategy. Some, it, it depends on the shop. Some shops, they require they go they know basic strategies so they can count i didn't know because i've i've played at a lot of places around like i say mostly it would be poker but you know i get done playing poker or i get bored on when i'm just not running good and i'll go out and like goof around at the table games or maybe play and even uh where i was at 
most of the dealers did not know basic strategy. I would say I was one of the only ones that did, you know, mm. and there were actually, I was kind of like the dealer that they would ask, you know, it got to the point where if somebody had a question in blackjack, the dealer on that game would ask me, Hey, what's the book say to do here? And I would tell them, you know, because they knew that I knew, you know, um, you just said your name. I'll edit it. <laughs> oh, shit, I did. Uh, there'll uh, be a beep. <laughs> that All right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how many misconceptions there there really are about the game in general. You know, specifically on on advantage play, I didn't see it nearly as much as I feel I should have where I work, given that we had liberal, very very liberal rules on very very on our game, like the best rules around. You could not find better rules. There's only one other shop that has equivalent. And so the fact that there weren't more advantage players coming and playing it really surprised me i think that maybe that was in part because we had a really good surveillance team and so if there were ap's coming in they would get picked up on pretty quick you know yep. and the bosses and all the floor people were pretty keen on it like there'd be times where they didn't have anything better to do you know like they they want somebody to come in and try and work an angle it was interesting to me when the rare times i did see those players because i would i know what's going on i can see what they're doing and i'm rooting for them but other times where someone wasn't an advantage player but was going on crazy runs and you know the floor would ask me later like is that guy counting and i'm like no dude like counts minus three and he's betting table max like that's not gonna right. happen. you know the right. guy's on a sick run and he's just playing by feeling and somehow it's working out for him yeah like i say it was it was rare for me to see anyone using any advantage play which was really kind of surprising your casino's notorious for being like you said your surveillance is pretty spot on i played there i lasted 15 minutes <laughs> uh, because i believe it was 15 dollars uh it's a double deck game for the for those of you who are not aware yeah. which is probably all of you it's 15 dollar double deck Double after split, double any two. Uh, did you have late surrender on that game? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, double after a split. You can split aces up to four times. Um, yeah. Dealt face up. It was uh, pretty liberal. Another place, same state. I was kind of, I was off on a little adventure. I was staying near this casino. I had looked it up and they had some poker, which was my main the main reason I wanted to go play. So I went there, uh, just a quick little poker rundown. I had started playing poker with no limit, you know, which is the game, right? But after getting into the casino industry, I started to learn Limit Hold'em, which is much, much different than No Limit. It's a way different game. Mm -hmm. And it today is my game of choice. Like, I feel more comfortable playing that. I've got more hours, probably, and more hands playing limit than I do no limit at this point. And so I went there and I was going to play some 4-8. Well, there was no 4-8 running, but there was a 1-3 no limit game going. And I'm like, all right, sure, whatever, I'll play this. So I'm there five minutes. Basically, long story short, without a you know bad beat story, is I got it all in on the flop with top set, where I flopped three of a kind, and this guy had ace high. <laughs> like, like, he tried to bluff <laughs> me off having the nuts, you know? Like, he jammed right. it, and I had the nuts. The board ran out, 
giving him a straight. It was like runner, runner straight, like perfect, perfect, as we call it. And boom, I'm stuck 300 bucks. Like my whole stack that I had just bought five minutes previous gone to a five. Like, why am I playing this game? I didn't and I was really, just like, really you know what? I think play. I'm good here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not even going to bother with this anymore. So I went down and I'm checking out the table games and I'm like, okay, here's a blackjack, double deck blackjack, $5, $5 minimum double deck blackjack. Are you serious? And I was like, okay, cool. So There's $5 double deck games. Well, not right now because of COVID, yep. but normally three shops in that general area that I can think of. I have seen them before, but there's, I've, I, I should say I've seen them since then, $5 double deck, but there's always some weird variation. Like, oh, blackjacks only pay one-to-one, you know? I'm like, well, no, I'm not playing that. Yeah, it was just, I was really surprised. I didn't realize that there were, you know, that that was around. It, it's not around in my area. So I sat down and I was just doing you know, a pretty basic count and just adjusting my bets accordingly. And I was doing pretty good. And it got to be later in the evening and this couple sits down with me and we're just having fun, talking, whatever. They mentioned that they were in there for a company party. The guy owned like a mortgage company or something. And so they were throwing a party for their employees and they had a bunch of rooms for everybody and stuff. Well, I was staying in a cabin about an hour and a half away and I didn't really want to drive all the way back. Anyways, this guy ended up, he said, well, somebody didn't show up. You can just have this extra room. So he just like gave me key to this room. Sure. I got to stay there for free, which is pretty tight. He's already paid for it. He figured why not help this guy out, right? Yeah. yeah. He, he had paid for like, I don't know, a dozen rooms or something for sure. all of his employees. And like somebody didn't show up and he was like, yeah, we got an extra room. Here you go. So it was kind of neat that I got to um, I got to stay there for free. So the next day I went back to that same game because I'm like, oh, man, this is this is great, you know, and it was going pretty good doing all right. And it got to be where I needed to leave. Like I had to be back in town by a certain time. And I was like, OK, this is going to be my last shoot. And then I have to go for whatever reason. I was just feeling it right off the bat, and I'm like, yeah, screw it. You know, I, I got a little gamble in my blood. I'm not going to lie. I, I like to get some gamble on sometimes, right, whether it's plus EV or not. So I threw a nickel out on the lucky ladies, just kind of feeling it. And the very first hand, I got two lucky ladies, the last shoe that I was going to Two of hearts, right. You yeah. Got two- so it was like, boom, okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm going to take my thousand. 200 to one on that game. And I'm right. leaving this was my last shoe anyways so it was a nice way to uh to end the weekend there was a guy that would play where i dealt and he he only played spanish 21 it was him and his wife he was like a vietnam vet real quiet and calm and reserved anytime i had a six showing he's doubling whatever just ridiculous yeah he'll have like two three or two four and he's doubling and he was 100 percent convinced that that was the right thing to do like he he like kind of went off on me one day about it like in a in a calm way, but like gave me a really long explanation as to why he felt that that was correct. And his wife was just like, he's been playing this for years, honey, you oh, know, shit. like like to me. And I'm just like, well, OK, I love that explanation. Okay. Yeah, people, I've been playing this game for 20 years. Well, OK, maybe you've been stuck in a bad marriage for 20 years. Right. That doesn't mean it's you correct. For 20 years, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that in poker a lot too, where where people try and justify their play in some situation. Look, I've been playing this game for as long as you've been alive, and I just think to myself, yeah, you've been playing it poorly for that long too, man. I I'd be pissed too if I had lost that much money over the years, you know, that kind of thing. But on the episode that I listened to previously, and you were talking to the gentleman who dealt about how the interactions with customers would be 
in that regard, whether it's asking for advice or getting upset and whatever. You know, I got to tell you, my my way of doing things was a lot different in that I had no problem talking smack to my customers because a lot of them seem to like it. Like gambler, gambling attracts a, a strange breed of folks. You know, mm-hmm. it really does. I learned this from this little Asian gal that I worked with who had been there for 20 some years in that she would always just be talking smack to the players and she made so much money and I didn't get I didn't get it I'm just like how and it's just like the confidence thing I guess to where it depends on the player but I got away with a lot of stuff with talking smack to people when they would make mistakes and I'd just call them out on it kind of giggle you know and if they're a good sport then they play along and and they they can respect the fact that you're you're giving them a hard time you know there were other where people would be getting mad and they'd start blaming me. And my standard response, and it wasn't often, you know, that somebody get real pissed. But when they do, I just say, hey, I just flip the cards over, man. And I just keep keep going. And at that point, it, it becomes like you enjoy when somebody's a dick, when a player is a dick to a dealer, you enjoy watching them lose. And you're secretly smiling inside, laughing at their misery, you know? Yeah. What about the what about the flip side of that? When someone's being a say you have a nice little lady on the table that's betting five or ten dollars a hand or something and betting a dollar putting a dollar up for you every hand, but you just yep. you take you just taking her money. And then some asshole on the other end who's ruining the fun for the whole table with his attitude and his negative energy, you just you can't take it. He just cannot lose. That's <laughs> gotta be frustrating those, as hell. Yeah. I, those situations are rare and I swear there's some like metaphysical concoction for what needs to happen for that horrible <laughs> to play out. But it has happened. I've been there and it's just like you're just like you just feel helpless and you just you just gotta roll with it and just go, okay, whatever. Whatever's going on is whatever's going on, you know? And it sucks when things like that happen. The worst though, I think is when there's a big whale at a table and you're slated to go there next. I, I This happens so many times where, you know, there's a really good player where this guy's juice, he's action. You, you get him going and you're going to make a few hundred bucks easy. You go to tap into the table and as soon as you do, the guy colors up. Or you go on break oh, expecting to go out to, to deal to this guy and you see him at the cage cashing out when you come out from break. You know, that's the shit that kills you where you're like, damn, that there goes my whole day, man. You know? Yeah, because you guys, unlike most tribal places, keep your own tips. Most places yep. in that state, they, they pool their tips. Dealers care less about people who tip. And typically, APs don't tip very well at all, at, if at all. <laughs> I don't know, man. The thing to me is, like, if the player's cool, I don't even care, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there was somebody that's playing, they're just... Just like having a good time and we're making conversation and they don't tip oh it's a big deal i don't expect it unless i pay out like huge you know what i'm saying which that's happened too where you you know there's this this russian dude used to come in and play spanish and before i knew better i was really hyped you know the first time i dealt to the guy and i paid him like six or seven grand and i got nothing from the dude and i was just like man are you kidding me and from that day on it was just like all right dude fuck you <laughs> you know like right. he, be, he became that player that i that i you know just smiled inside when he'd lose and yeah certain cultures also don't tip and certain cultures tend to tip like uh, 
in my experience, Asian players from, that aren't were born in another country tend to be good tipper, especially if you pay them. That's, a, and, that's yeah, and it, it, I think there's a that depends a lot. You know, uh, it varies a lot, I should say, because yeah, there were some some Asian players that were great tippers. You know, especially like the game of baccarat would be a huge action game. Yeah, you could make some really good money dealing that game. Yeah, like you say, a lot some of it's culture. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Rufus. I know I sure did. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can email us at tensinaces21 at gmail.com. That's the word tens and aces, the number 21 at gmail.com. Or if you would prefer to leave a voicemail, you can call our voicemail line at 518-289-0478. That's area code 518-289-0478. Have a good one and see you on the fell. Here's a few messages from our sponsors. Find your paradise. Go to Visit Las Vegas. Dot com. By the fact that you're listening to a podcast about blackjack and advantage play, it's clear that you're interested in this topic and most likely interested in becoming the best blackjack player you can become. Now, I suppose there are exceptions to this. Like, for example, maybe you're an uninterested significant other trapped in the car listening to this. Or maybe you're a kid trapped in the car forced to listen to this because your phone is dead and you can't tune out the world with your headphones in like you normally would. And by the way, kids, I apologize for all the F-bombs that I've dropped on this show. Please don't follow my example. Or maybe, just maybe, you don't like money and you want to continue to play blackjack and not make your game better. If you happen to fall in any of those categories, by all means, tune out and don't listen to a word that I have to say right here. But if you want to learn how to be the best blackjack player you can be, learn and grow your game, I suggest you check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. They offer what is, in my opinion, not only a world-class education on the game of blackjack, but the absolute best education you can find anywhere for this game. They offer online training drills, a supportive community, as well as other exclusive tools that are critical to your success. Even if you already know the ins and outs of this game and don't really need the training they offer per se. That's great. I'm kind of in that boat myself and I imagine there are several others of you that are as well. So even for people like us, just the opportunities and networking alone that this site offers is worth the price of admission and then some. I also can't stress enough that it is a wonderful and supportive community of other APs. There is almost no trolling in the forums there. So once again, I urge you to check out blackjackapprenticeship.com if you're serious about growing your game. Not from the high desert or the great American Southwest, bid you good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be, depending on what time zone you reside in worldwide. This is not Coast to Coast AM, and I'm not Art Bell, and thank God I'm not George Norrie either. I am, however, Mike, and this is the Tens and Aces podcast. 
If you're west of the Rockies, you can call the show and leave a voicemail at 518-289-0478. East of the Rockies, call 518-289-0478. To reach us on the wildcard line, call 518-289-0478. And to reach us on the first-time caller line, dial 518-289-0478. Hey there, listeners. Thanks for indulging me in that little uh, exercise in homage to the late, great Art Bell. That's a fun way for me to give out the voicemail line for you guys to call. Feel free to call. Leave a message. If you have a question, if you have a complaint, tell even a joke, just leave a message.